So, good morning. How you doing? Happy New Year, brother. Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Happy oh, New man. Decade. Huh? Happy New Get. I like to think of this in the passing of decades. That's pretty yeah. appealing. Yeah. Yeah, much more than a year, but uh, it's going to be a good one. We're going to make it a good one this year. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard not to go up from here. Let's just say that the, the decade uh, crescendoed with uh, like a wave of bull crap. And, but if you look at last decade in total, that it wasn't total suckage. You know, it was, it was a lot of war and a lot of crazy. Yeah. But a lot of good stuff happened on the individual level for the both of us. And society, too, I think, changes yeah. and values, norms, and uh, mores and whatnot are changing for the better, definitely. But, uh, and the guild, the guild is uh, is still solid. Here we are. People are training. People, we're researching. We've, we've made some significant discoveries in the last couple of years. And uh, you, know, you know what? Since this is a brand new year, you yeah. just posted your Christmas gift to the, the researchers in Himalayan. Yeah and historical fencing, you know, community. Um, why don't you give me the uh, executive summary of that article real quick? Pretend I'm dumb and we haven't been talking about it for, you know, weeks, so I can ask you some questions. And, <laughs> yeah. and, what, and while, you, while, you, while you pontificate, I'm going to go fill up my coffee and we can talk a little bit about coffee in between as well. Oh, yeah, coffee, nice. Well, I, uh, years ago... The fencing. This is the fencing grounds, after all. The fencing grounds. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Pontificate, my friend. We were, we were, we were, uh, we'd be talking about uh, finding this uh, book for quite a few years, and I finally got access to uh, the archive where this book resides. And um, it's interesting. It's an interesting work. The title caught my eye doing a Google keyword book search. And it was, uh, it had to do with the certification of a, of a fry fester. A man took a fry fester test. And uh, that always interests us because uh, we're the fry fester guild and we love all things fry fester. We want to know more about them. So I discovered this work and uh, eventually was granted access to it. <clears throat> it's proven pretty interesting. It's, uh, it was, I was surprised that it was written in a factual poem, a rhyming poem, a la uh, 1579 Nuremberg poems. And this was 1623. The man's name was Sebastian Cresselius, although not his German name. His given name was Kersel, Sebastian Kersel from Vilsek. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting dude. He, of all things, he was a valet, body servant to the emperor, Ferdinand so, Are you at a point where I can interrupt and ask questions? I mean, at any time, brother. Oh, you all right, hey, know hey, that. All right, all right. I'm just making sure. So part of what we're doing with the fencing grounds, this this engaging historical fencing conversation over coffee in the morning, um, yeah, is that I'm just having conversations with my research bros and my fencing bros, even if they're females, my, my brethren, they are my people, my tribe. And you, the listener, will break the fourth wall every once in a while and make sure we explain some of the craziness we're talking about. But this is really, we, we're making historical documents here, essentially, for our, our own fencing guild, the Meyer Freifector Guild, because yeah. um, we tie all this stuff back to the, the last renaissance, the last resurgence, you know, revival of the art, which was the turn of the 19th century 
where we got Carl Wasmendorf and our, our historical fencing saints that we should be talking about. So we're going to be going over all of that. I'd like yeah. to start with early history. history early yeah. the pioneers. A lot of uh, that word has often been used, pioneer. Uh, it's a great word because that's somebody who, see, who you know, a pioneer. They're seeking, they're searching, they're re- rebuilding they're looking they're they're fighting they're working they're doing work and and these dudes apparently in the 1800s were uh some of them were army officers some of them were just uh scholars i think all the army officer guys came from man must have not that the sword fighting but the the historical this 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 sudden yeah like thirst for the ancient you know yeah. that came from hutton and yeah. hutton infected his rifle company or something right with, with his with his fervor of the, the more classical more like this is this is what it really is sort of I'm, i can imagine him teaching like that if you read his book he's got this sort of like this is well, the you, way well you got to imagine their their curricula probably included brief mentions of this and so they were exposed to it in 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 the curricula they were they were higher educated uh you know, men and women, they were definitely high. So there, it, there must have been something about 14th, 15th, 16th century sword play, um, even though there was no direct living lineage to that in the, in, the, in the Western world, for whatever reason. The handgun was invented, gunpowder, and then war changed and evolved. But they must, they must have recognized that there was hundreds, if not thousands of years of sword play that had evolved and brought them to that point and they wanted to understand it and then many of them wanted to honor it and that's i think what you and i are doing in a lot of ways inadvertently we're trying to honor it as well because it deserves it it, it doesn't deserve to be forgotten to the pages well and and really you know the the list of uh historical fencing forefathers you know uh they're all they're researchers the ones that the ones that made an impact were not the like the super awesome Olympic fighter who won a bunch of fights. I mean, even I, they were probably researchers. Even they probably the one. Did. But and I've got a couple. <laughs> I've got a couple of them on my list of here that yeah. we can talk about. Yeah. But but that's because there was a there was a small core group of research writer practitioners. Yep. And those are the ones because that's what I want to advocate with all everyone I want to talk everyone who will listen to me bang the bang the ring the bell on the mountaintop yeah. that warrior scholar thing that's like it, that is the way that this can grow generationally because it's not it can't be a cult of personality the guild or fencing clubs no. if it's gonna live on because I mean how long after freaking Hutton did his whole crew just like kind of fizzle out right. It right. wasn't long. It wasn't long. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what happened there, but uh, it, 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 it's, uh, it's a personal choice, though. Today, it's a personal choice to read, study, research, ask questions, and then seek answers. That is a personal choice, where, whereas you, you might have uh, new students who come to you and they simply want to learn longsword. They want to learn the weapon system. Yeah. But if 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 you make it inherent in the curricula, in their training, this uh, this reading, just make it. It is. This is what it is. Yeah. It's part. It's homework. I tell them. I tell them. This is a a. 
this I tell them it involves research almost from from the start. I think that's I think that's that's where we early uh, early Meyer Freifurter Guild. Uh, even pre-Fryfurter Guild, those the, the the group that we belong to, it was the scholarly warrior approach. There was just the the, the group formerly known as Hacka. Yeah, <laughs> it was inherent in in the whole doing the thing, picking up a sword. There was a book, there was a book in one hand and a sword in the other, and that was just it. Whereas today, I think that message is um, been muddled. Lost. It's I don't it's think it's lost. lost. It's or... it's we'll say it's muddled, and part of being the keepers of that flame. Because part of the founding of the guild, like, I don't know if people know the story. We're talking about historical fencing scholars in the turn of the 19th century, but like. I diverged. We can, we can flow into the history of the guild because the history of contemporary, this, the second revival that started in what, the 60s with um, Hans Peter Hills and he bounced his stuff off of previous work. And then it just shit became accessible in Europe and then became accessible and then the internet and then holy cow we've got all it kinds became, of fun stuff yeah it became known i mean some early names early nine uh early 1990s you've got guys like uh Carson Lorbeer and Alex Kiermeyer two Germans in oh, southern yeah, Germany yeah 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 they he's got a translation out there in they uh, were tuned into German. this they were tuned into this early on uh you know late 90s and everything there there was some I guess well, I mean, and, and well, think about it. you got Greg Melee, and he was with uh, right. Brian Price before all that happened. Yeah. Um, you had you had people. We hadn't yet heard of like um, like I don't think Forgan before his book came out. Like it was just his own little pod in over there. He was the curator of that. Of yeah, but Armory, and he know. had his own little like kind of club. A fencing yeah. club too. They, and yeah, I remember yeah. they had some assets online, and they had wooden wasters. And I, I remember, shoot, that's that's probably. I wonder if that's archived somewhere on the internet. Because that's a, here's a cool name for you, Walter Green. Oh yeah, he is, he's a sport fencer. He's a oh. master, master of arms, sport fencing, and and he always had some interest. All right, there you go. Yeah, the Monsignor the Escrima Historique Handbook by. You know, Sir Lord Captain Walter Green. I mean, it's, it makes it sound. I love it. I love it. And yeah. it's actually, he, he did us a service in this book, and I'll go ahead and plug the shit out of it. Pardon my French. Just by putting in a summaries uh, in his appendix of the different longsword bouting stuff that he came across. And there's a bunch of interesting, interesting things in here. Yeah, um, he found our guild early on, and we were... We were interested to uh, to talk to him. I know Mike Cartier, our beloved Overhauptman, God rest his soul. You know, he he talked with that guy at length and, and discovered that the man was absolutely aware of early early HEMA. Um, so you know, there's a many, as many as ways. a as a um, Olympic sports fencer is where we're saying um, right. So if you maestro. look at someone, maybe someone like Walter Green, he parallels some earlier, you know, Herzl, Gustav Herzl, who was. Uh, an instructor or 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 Pollock, many Both of, of those guys, yeah. Well, there's so many. They were, they were doing <laughs> sport fencing, but they looked to the earlier times. Not that it was going to influence their sport fencing at all, but that they were. It was somehow an influence. I don't know what they were. So there's for. there's there's some needed research in uh, in our community. 
So we need to probably focus a little bit, because I know I am, on who is having the conversation around the formation of the Olympics when they added fencing? Who was the, because they made it, they made an active choice to make it tag instead linear, of linear inst right of way. Yeah, they, they did yeah. because all those rules were all up in the air and you had people mm -hmm. saber fighting out there. You had, you had people that were very classical. They're like, you, Small I've got sword. a, I've got a quote. Yeah. I've got a quote. It from Edgerton Castle, where he's just like, he's like, I don't care. If everything you're doing is fine and great, but the whole point is that you hit your opponent and you don't get hit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean that that so I would think that that whole who is involved and why that sportified is an interesting piece of history that I kind of want to find tell you out. This, probably a book coming out by a friend of ours is it may sh shed some light on that. I'll tell you why. Uh, Professor Bert Gevert, oh, uh, Belgium. His group, the Hellebardiers, um, he invited me over there to, to instruct one time in 2014, I guess, to Bruges, Belgium. And I was just blown away. I wasn't prepared for, for, what, um, for what, they, what they shared with me. That group, their group actually goes back to uh, early 1800s, if not late 1700s, in the current form. But that group from the 1800s can date itself back to 1440. That's awesome. So, I mean, so I mean, we, we were always looking for direct living lineage of, of a group. There's a group in Belgium, and Bert is writing a book about his fencing guild. So there's going to be historical Oh, I can't wait. I research. can't wait. And, and it, the whole, um, what is that? The, uh, the Corbel collection yeah. in, the yeah. Louvre, in, the, in the Leuven uh, uh, there's a library in a Catholic university in, in Belgium. And there was a famous Belgian who, uh, who assembled a bunch of fencing books and manuscripts uh, by the name of Corbel. That was all based on Sportfechten and the early beginnings of Sportfechten and how it was going to play into the Olympics and the new. And the, So that answers your question. Bert probably is going to write a book and it'll, it'll have some good answers. So we'll look for that this coming year. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, Corbel's just another name for... Um, right. people to research if they, haven't, if they haven't heard of Early Pioneer. These that are was our... a monster. I've seen his collection. I've put the white gloves on and been been. What about that cat? It. What about that cat that was um, when I went to Italy? Um, guy, guy Windsor and I in Adelheid, my partner Adelheid, we went to this this British guy's, you know place in Italy mm. and it must have been Florence and mm. it was just it was amazing and I've got all these pictures and I can't remember the name to save my life so I'll we'll put that up that's another thing that we're going to do here yeah. is we're, we're going to try to always attempt to only talk about stuff we know about and we try to right. verify with facts right. and also if I state something like that I will, I, I'll, I'll ask Guy when it was, or I'll ask Heidi, but either way, I'll post when this airs, I'll make sure I, I self-correct as best Look, as possible. If you if you remember our trip to Italy, you and I traveled there at the-, at the uh, A couple years prior to that, yeah. At the behest of, of uh, the great Roberto Gaudi. He, uh, he made mention of a HEMA group that had been ex in existence long prior to the 1990s and it was uh, Malapiero 
and and, yeah. and Malapiero, does that name ring a bell? We weren't able to meet him. We met uh, some of his fencers, but that, the way I understood that to be that that was a long-standing group into reconstructing Fiori or Morozzo or the Italian masters, Malapiero. Yeah, send me. And, we'll make sure we link into that. I'm gonna. I remember that. Gonna do that. Remember I the guy who, about it. Remember we ended up in Treviso outside of Venice, and and we met. Um, damn it, I forget his name. He was a good friend of Roberto's. That good friend was an Andrea? instructor. Just go ahead. Tell me more. I forget the last name, but I just, I just, damn it, I'm getting old. But it, it, it led me to believe that that group was it has existed for a long time, and it was kind of secretive. They were very, very close hold and private in their thing, and even Roberto hadn't cracked into them to wow. be like his big Roberto's, you know, dream, which has since been realized of of forming a big federation in, in Italy of Hema. But the Malapiero, that name, I remember. Um, anyway, so there's been probably been groups that we'll never know about people that didn't want any any Accolades. variety or yeah. anything. They well, I mean, but, but, yeah, well, and that's why the story of like this new revival of longsword fencing, if we will, we can be real specific because we can, <laughs> and that's 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 a select group of people that were very pivotal that where history may remember but they're, you're, you're right some of them are just going to be lost and but the ones that are known the ones that are known there's a bunch written about look at roger norling look at his, michael chinister his horror site roger has a has an article on early hema pioneers and many of these names oh, yeah. are on there and it's phenomenal i was just before this this morning i was looking over that i knew we'd be talking more about this but one in particular i can tell you gustav herxel i did a lot of translating of his work a german 1880s 90s boy i have a question about this cat he was a monster man i yep but i remember reading something somewhere and i am could be totally off but i knew that waltzmansdorf our boy carl he he had a beef with one of these younger, that, that next younger crew, you know, Hutton's people with one of their works. And I don't remember which one it was. And I, and I, I seem to think it was freaking Herschel. Herschel, no, I, I don't know about that. That's interesting. We'll have to look. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to take notes about that. We'll talk about that sometime. But uh, Herschel, it was interesting because back in the day, I was keyword searching on Google and all over the intraweb for anything Meyer, which I continue to do, you do, we're, we're, we're you know, Every you never, day. Know. Yeah, you Every never day. know what's gonna come up. It's it's a huge repository of data. And I find this, these interpretations of of Meyer Stucken, and then I dig further and here oh it's a book by Gustav Herxl and I ran to Mike Cartier, <laughs> our Oberhauptmann, and I said, Mike, Mike, there's this dude in Germany had had uh, access to Meyer's work and he honest to God is doing the same thing we're doing yeah and then and then I researched further and I found it was like 1890 and I'm like oh my god here I thought it was somebody modern you know that we were going to be able to contact and, and then I find out it's you know how stupid I was how naive I was but it was oh, but it was wow that's awesome but you know that's how it was there was like this the, the information flow yeah I remember ordering yeah. Booker that were photocopied from microfish yeah and yeah. It, that had to have been that was before 
That was before 9-11, surely. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Inter- anyway. Interesting. <laughs> interesting the way interesting the things we do for this. I mean, we've got some we've all got a million stories. We'll put them. Oh, and, and that's that's part one of the things we want to do with the fencing grounds here, this this podcast is we'll carry on this conversation, but we want to capture some of this this contemporary revival of historical fencing's history. And just by telling anecdotal stories, basically through the research that has kind of been written. Like we'll talk about Mike's article, surely, and what the impact that had, uh, his manifesto and his second part and what that did and how that connected to the greater history. But I mean, I think that 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 sort of storytelling is fantastic and I, I will I will invite anyone to come on with us or just with me and tell the same sort of stories definitely because that is how it's good this lineage them. gets yeah. recorded and not forgotten posterity look at look at you and I uh, how many times over the last 10 years the, the countless hours we've spent yakking on the phone just like little schoolboys, so excited about our latest discoveries or potentials or theories or, or conspiracy theories, wild things we would we would suggest only to, you know, we're just total amateurs. I'm not an academic in any way. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, man. It's, it's, you know, just, we're not it's formally trained passion. in this. Yeah, it's a, it's passion. a passion. It's a passion. It's a you passion. Know, how we would stumble on something and, and, you know, that That's those were best. amazing times. Stumble on, you know, you would find gold. We call it finding mining for gold. Sometimes you end up with tin or <laughs> or lead, you know, lead yeah. or silver. Uh, but. I mean, well, it was when you when when you find something like you said, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, obviously the listener would have no idea, but you have a, a garbage mire folder on your desktop <laughs> that is essentially all people named Yoko Meyer in some fashion that's not our guy it's a shame <laughs> some it's of them are mine. really cool some of yeah. them are like man if we could composite this motherfucker together it would be fantastic part of my French the greatest the greatest one was when I when I discovered a Yoko Meyer was a Rittmeister oh and yeah that's it, and it, oh. it, it fit it, it fit it fit the guy it fit and i said to mike holy fuck mike this we've i know it we know everything about Jochen meyer now it's Jochen meyer and he's a rittmeister he's a cavalry master and it was right in the right time frame the 1560s and 70s but and 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 i followed and i followed and i dug and i followed and i dug but here's an interesting point it's almost like science and the scientific method. You, you you have to let the facts lead you. Whereas I didn't do that. I did not allow the facts to lead me initially. I allowed myself that I was totally convinced this was our guy from Strasbourg. Mm. And I just said to the world, yep, I just, I even told people at an event, you know, the big- I remember that, no, there's people said, that still talk about that. And I'm, I'm like, said, guess what? I'm I found like, my I don't think so. <laughs> I'm like, it's close. It's like, it's like, ugh. You cautioned me. You said, "Hey, Kev, uh, 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 you gotta, you got, we've got to verify that seven ways from Sunday." And I'm like, "Fuck no, man! This is the dude. This is our guy. He was a slasher and hacking." And oh, it was in the letter. There was a beautiful. There was uh, documentation of this particular Yoga Meyer sending a letter back because they got there was a duel. I mean, it was just all. It was just. Fantastic. Yeah, he killed. He killed people, and I shared that with Roger Norling. And I, I cautioned him and said, you know, I've not verified this. He grabbed that 
and ran because it, it had to do with Sweden. It was a German mercenary oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. warring in Sweden. I remember doing an entire research paper's worth of uh, research about the path that Meyer must have taken. Yeah. Um, we were so convinced. Probably. I was in, you know, I'm in the German Sea. I'm like, I'm, I was deep, deep even, into trade <laughs> routes. Even when I discovered military that, boats. Even when I discovered that that man was still alive in 1587, <laughs> which would completely Oh, no, this the, is the fact that this is I, my conspiracy theory fiction book is starting to take shape. So careful what you say, dude. We, st I still denied the truth. I, my, you know, and that, you know, um, what is it called? Confirmation, but I don't know what the word is for that, but there's a word for confirmation it. bias. Are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Basically, yeah. I, I wanted to believe that that was our boy from Strasbourg, no matter yeah. what. It yeah, was yeah, just yeah. to fuck you. Fuck you. It's, it is everything, it. everything that you saw pointed that direction. But the, the, one of the biggest interesting periphery discoveries that you ever made, it was the name and information about the doctor who was the uh, head physician to the Duke of Mecklenburg. Yeah, yeah, that... That, that, was, that was that was like, when you found that out, just this little piece. So those that's the type of gem and gold we're talking about here. In it's Latin. Like, we had to get that trans, translated into Latin. Bert did that for us, too. He's a professor of Latin, so we can count on it being an accurate translation. And it was just so sad to read and, and almost made me cry to think. You know, it was ba basically uh, paraphrase what... The short line that that court physician wrote was in Latin. Somebody should have told me about this man's sickness sooner. I could have helped him because he got apparently Meyer got sick rapidly, pretty, pretty quickly, and declined really quickly. And and it just it just you know to read that and think, well, wait, wasn't he in the court? And then we started we started researching what was going on in in Mecklenburg Pomerania. Where was Meyer? Was he at Rostock? Where was the castle? Well, the castle was under renovations is an right. also interesting fact. Open and windy. Drafty. Brutal, brutal winter, they said. That was 1571, 1570, 71. That was yeah, it was, it was a cold one. What did they call it? A mini ice age. I've since yeah, read yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. considered, or you discovered it and said, hey, that was a mini ice age during that time frame. And, then and the only the reason I touched upon that piece of known history, uh, the only right. reason that hit my periphery is because I was trying to figure out, well, what was the temperature you know, then right. just because right. I want to know how cold it was for Meyer in a drafty castle when he's feeling sick. And then I remember trying to attach that in my brain to a wolf hunt. I just, I had read something along those lines that the Duke uh, took a, a retinue of his uh, masters with him on a wolf hunt right around the time Meyer would have arrived there. And then I surmised that Meyer may have been with them, may have been exposed, and may have contracted some uh, flu or whatever killed him there. We don't know. That's all conjecture, but um, but it was it was interesting. And again, in the begin in the beginning of all our research in mine, I wasn't careful enough with these things like I am now. I'll sit on something. I'll just I've got folders and folders of discoveries of stuff that could potentially be him. I haven't even shared with you because I've learned from the past. It's like I you don't, don't want to get burned. <laughs> I don't want to put that out and be known as the jackass who says this or the tin hat guy about Meyer. I want to, we, we you know, and Mike told me that. He goes, Kev, you know, you got to be careful here, man. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you, sounded, <laughs> uh, you sounded an awful lot like him right there. Also, Dude, I've been trying to, once, yeah, man. I bet he did. Oh, man. <laughs> He had to caution me several times because I was 
unbridled, baby. He had to pull in the reins. I was unbridled. I was my my passion so, is so Kevin. This is where I'm going to say that the fencing ground is going to take an intermission. And since we're just doing this live, baby, there's no script. Mm-hmm. I just want we're going to stop this. This is going to be episode one. We'll continue episode two. I just want to make sure that we don't bump up against this hard limit that the Zoom meetings have, which is the out. Until we get money, this is the way we have to do it. So, and then I'll make Heidi. She contacted me on the telephone. Nice. She wants, she wants, she wants more. She wants some of my tasty coffee, which we should also talk about. Nice, it's pretty good. All right, brother. Well, uh, uh, ten minutes. Then. Yeah, something like that. Ten fifteen. Righteous. All right, brother. Take care. Right. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Out.